HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Eating Tools, unique handmade eating and cooking tools. For more information, visit eatingtools.com. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Tekla Schaefer, marketing magic maker, as in head of marketing, at Tony's Chocolonely, the big, bold, bright Dutch chocolate bars on a mission to make the chocolate industry more equitable and entirely free of child labor. Tony's is not only the market leader in the Netherlands with close to 50 million in annual sales, but also the most sustainable brand in the country. Tekla is responsible for all the marketing initiatives at Tony's and is helping spread the mission and the brand around the globe. So welcome, Tekla. Thank you. Thank you. Nice um, to be here. Yes, it's it's great to have you. As I was telling you right before we started recording, one of my just I didn't even know how much I would enjoy doing this show um, when I started doing it. But one of the things I've just enjoyed the most is getting to know companies um, and also the people that work at the companies, but, you know, the companies a little bit better than I would have. Um, so it was really fun researching your work. It was really fun researching Tony's and learning more about the mission and how it all got started. Um, I never knew why the bars weren't evenly squared like other <laughs> chocolate bars. And now I do. Um, and if you guys keep listening, you will find out. So um, let's start a little bit with, I mean, first of all, I think a lot of people are really interested in marketing. I think a lot of brands out there are trying to figure out how to distinguish themselves from all the other brands on Instagram or in the grocery store. There's a lot of um, stuff out there um, that is, you know, competing for people's attention. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me like a lot of the people that are in marketing that I've interviewed were in psych and did mm -hmm. either psychology or sociology, something in human behavior. So I guess my first question is, um, I know you grew up in the Netherlands and were you always interested 
in why people behave the way that they behave, what, you know, what were your sort of plans in school and how you ended up in marketing? Yeah, that's right. So in, indeed, I uh, grew up in the Netherlands, as you uh, can probably hear from my accent uh, also. Yeah. <laughs> I'm engaged to someone from Amsterdam. So oh. it happens to make me feel very warm and fuzzy. But... Oh, good. good. <laughs> yeah. I always, I always try to improve my English, but somehow people can always hear that I'm it's from the nightmare. Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> and I, indeed, I, I studied psychology, um, which uh, my dad thought would be uh, education to become a professional uh, jobless person. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> he he yes. wanted me to study economics or, or something like that. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I just, um, I was just really interested in, I guess, like like you say, a lot of marketeers in, in human behavior, and and then not so right. much. Um, not so much like disturbed human behavior, but rather normal right. human behavior. So yes. within uh, within psychology, I studied um, social psychology and another study called uh, cultural psychology and the mm. psychology of religion. Um, mm. I'm not a religious person, but religion as such is a very interesting topic to study from a psychological point of view. So I, I really studied psychology from you know, personal interest, never really thinking about what I could do with that later in life. Right. And I think, you know, I was lucky to grow grow up in the 90s when, you know, everything, you know, we were, the economy was growing and everything was possible. So I, I didn't really think about doing a study that would have me end up in a good job. Um, right. Um, but then after my study, uh, I was introduced to somebody at an ad agency and there I was just really intrigued by how people in the ad industry also think about human behavior and what makes the normal person tick. So that's how I ended up um, at the at BBDO at the time. It's also really interesting. I feel like someone, I feel like I've heard this said by, by multiple people, and it might have been just madmen or something, but I do <laughs> feel like there is a correlation between religion and brands yeah and these days especially when you have sort of this you know globalized world and the institutions and structures that you know i think you know i i think i you know i was a i grew up in the 80s and 90s too you know all of that has has kind of shifted and now you have brands that have these tribes you know and people live and die by their dishwasher detergent and they will go, you know, and they'll, they'll be out there proselytizing for, you know, their shampoo Um, in a way that I don't really think existed until, you know, possibly the last, you know, 10, 15 years, maybe even. Um, So I do think there's something interesting about your studying of religion yeah. Um, and then becoming kind of an ace marketer. Um, so, so at the agency, um, and then, and so you were at the agency for a while and then you went to, um, a couple of different brands, the, yeah. the big one being G star. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious about the lessons that you learned both on the agency side, kind of early in your career and then a couple of the lessons that you learned on the brand side 
that you took with you when you landed at Tony's, um, I guess about a year plus ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the agency that I was with BBDO was with another agency as well, but BBDO was with the longest time and they have a very, very strong history in building brands. So this agency was really about branding, branding, branding. So we, I had a lot of different courses and like, it was really all about how do you build a brand? How do you create these like mental uh, like like patterns in people's heads that make them remember the brand that make it give people a good feeling about the brand. So I was really trained in in brand building. And um, um, so do you remember this, any of those? Like, do you remember anything that kind of blew your mind or anything that you you had an aha moment at some point? I know it was a while ago, but yeah, I think everyone kind of wants to know how we create these mental patterns for people. You know, what is the secret? sauce as they say yeah so so it's um it's i think i think one of the most important things is is really the emotion so i I know a lot of agencies they talk about what is the usp the unique selling point you need to be very precise about it but it's also really about building um emotions around the brand and i think that that is something that's really um, sensitive, you know, how do you make sure you choose the right images and the right words and the, the right, you know, ideas around a brand to, to build those emotional patterns. And, um, you know, when it started, it was, it was a really interesting period because the agency would do all kinds of weird things to find out what these emotional <laughs> memories that were that people had of the brand. So I had to, when I just started, I had to do research, like, you know, make consumers choose from different animals, like which animal that represents the brand or like Rorschach kind of tests and all kinds of funny things that we did just to find out, like, how do you create this really warm feeling around the brand? And I think when I uh, started then at G-Star, which which at the time already was a strong uh, brand, it was for me like the moment to really you know, prove it at the agency, you're, you're at the advising the, the consultancy side of things. And right. it's also very much about communication, but at G-Star, I really learned that marketing is in everything that a brand does. And I remember really well that when I started, I think it was my first week and, um, I had a coffee with, um, the CEO and he got really angry at me because uh, they had little sh- uh, bags of sugar f- to go with the coffee and yeah. I had the G-Star logo on it like, in a different font. And he was like, uh, this is your fault. Why is the G-Star logo on, a- <laughs> on sugar? We don't sell sugar. This is not even our logo. And it's like, um, but I just work here for a week. <laughs> but it's your fault that you didn't address this. You, you should have addressed this because you should know that this is, you know, killing our brand. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, here's my question. Did he want no brand on the sugar or did he want a brand on the sugar, just the right logo? No, no brand. He was like, okay. we don't sell sugar. So that's right. it, it's, it, it, it undermines our positioning. Right. And he, and he, he was very, you know, his idea of marketing, um, I reported directly to the CEO, and his idea of marketing was very broad. Like, 
the way the um, receptionist would answer the phone or yeah. like the, this, the bag of sugar with the coffee or all those totally. little things he considered marketing and he would really hold me accountable also for all those things. So although it was hard yeah. in the beginning, it did, it did teach me. And it, it just for me, it, it opened up such a, you know, much larger toolbox or much larger, you know, toy box almost, I would say, to, to build a brand. Yeah. How did you organize? I mean, it's funny because so I think everyone who's listened to sort of our journey knows that we're going to be launching and, you know, 400 Kroger stores and about 500 Target stores in yeah. just the next month. Thank you. And we are doing this sort of, you know, in June, we decided to just learn everything that we could about all of the various tools or toys in the box that we could use to build awareness, to get people connected, to reach out, you know, a lot of our old familiar tools like activations and events and in-store sampling um, are not at our, at our disposal right now. Yeah. And so we needed to learn about Ibotta and, and couponing and, you know, how to segment our mailing list and, and, and we've been talking a lot about how everything is marketing down to customer service, right? Yeah. Is, is an opportunity to market. And I guess my question is when you're the, when you're leading that, um, especially for such a big company, how do you divide out, you know, if, if it's all one big toolbox, let's say, how do you divide out, you know, the different sections of the toolbox? Do you think of it like this is what we pay for? This is what we don't pay for. This is content. This is experience. This is this is how we are in the world. Like how how do you even begin to break down if everything is at your disposal? Yeah. How did you get to break down how to think about it and where to even begin? Yeah, I, I guess what's really important is to look at what are the main points of contact between you, between your brand and the consumer which oftentimes isn't what we consider marketing, like mm -hmm. content or social right. media. Most often it's, it's first of all, the product itself. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, uh, the point of sale. Yeah. And, and thirdly, uh, yeah, it is often uh, uh, um, customer help. So the, the, your um, direct interaction with the consumer. So, very often what we, you know, what we consider marketing aren't the key points of interaction with your customer. So I think, I think, yeah. So um, at G-Star, we, uh, we did a project called uh, Raw for the Oceans. It was about uh, creating jeans out of recycled ocean plastic. It was mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. So it was really um, ahead of the, the whole anti-plastic movement. Right. And we thought about, you know, how how do we communicate this project? And then we said, okay, the product itself is, is what people will see most often. Like the product itself is the billboard. So we really focused on creating designs that would really communicate the the, the yeah. cause, uh, the, uh, reducing uh, plastic in the oceans, and yeah. and really use the the t-shirts of the collection as the as the billboard. So. Right. Um, so really starting with, with product itself. Yeah, I think actually it's funny because I think 
a lot of people today, it's not that hard to, you know, and, and people who listen have heard me say this, you know, there are plenty of agencies and plenty of freelancers who can design something that looks great, um, you know, with, with the right colors and the right font and the right vibe. But what needs to be tested, I think, and what, what really needs to happen a lot that doesn't always happen is it, it needs to go deeper than that because yeah. the product itself looking good, um, you know, is one thing, but the product feeling good and, and, and saying the right things on it that makes sense to who's buying it and yeah. filling the promise that it, it says it's going to have and where, you know, I've gotten bottles of things sent to me and they are just too big to fit on a shelf. Yeah. Like, Someone thought it was a beautiful bottle and it is a beautiful bottle, but it doesn't fit on a, on a pantry shelf. So it's like little things like that, that we don't necessarily think of as marketing, but they are because they're irksome if they, if they're not smooth. And it's almost stuff that you don't notice when it's working well. Um, And then in terms of, you know, what's out there. So you think of the product, you think of the point of sale, think of, you know, your customers interacting with you, whether that's email or, you know, DM or commenting on Facebook or whatever it is. But what about just, and this, this can go a little bit, I guess, into Tony's um, reaching people that have never heard of you before. How do you get into their psyche? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good uh, a good question, especially for for Tony's because um, uh, Tony's has a, a non paid media strategy. No so, paid media. No yeah. paid media. Yeah, so we don't use any paid media, which for a marketeer is of course an extra creative right. challenge, I should say. And that includes no Instagram ads, like exactly. Yeah, like right. no paid media is no paid media, like no Google search, no. Um, Instagram ads, yeah. none of that. So, I, I, you know, on the one hand, it's a real, it's a big relief because it really declutters your, uh, your, your yeah. It's just <laughs> you just pick out like the hammer, the drill, the screwdriver, and the wrench. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it really, it really. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, makes things easier in a way, but it's also more difficult, uh, of course. So. Um, so for for us, uh, distribution and having the product on shelf is just really really key. That's in, 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 yeah, um, but the other thing is is, um, is is PR is getting free publicity, and I think this is even yeah more important for us to be able to get people to talk and write about Tony's. Um, in your research, I'm sure you found out that Tony's was actually founded by journalists. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was created as a project to really dive deep into the cocoa industry and find out why, you know, uh, you know what's wrong uh, with the cocoa industry to, you know, by creating uh, a bar to really find out in every, you know, every step of the supply chain uh, what's going on. Right. And um, so, so there is this real. There's there are these journalistic roots to the brands I would say that um, that really uh, 
really our driving force behind our strategy to to not only create chocolate ourselves that is created uh, you know in a better way with uh, less harm to the people that, that that harvest the cocoa but it's really also very much about education and and getting people to understand what's wrong in the chocolate industry so i think that makes the brand really unique and special is that it's it's not so much about we want to do it right. It's not so much that we want to create chocolate that's right. Our chocolate almost is what I found out actually when I started working for Tony's. The chocolate is almost the merchandise to the mission of Tony's. So the the, right. the bigger mission really is to change the industry. So yeah. to, the to yeah yeah yeah. So so sense. yeah. So there's this real drive to to get that story out there. So we uh, we do a lot of things to. You know, to educate people. So we, we have, uh, uh, you know, we do a lot of Tony's talks where we talk about our mission. Uh, in the U.S., we have a, a college program where we are looking for students that have the potential potential to be, you know, change makers themselves. And we we give them tools to to start their own impact companies and and kind of mentor them in that way. So we re- we really want to to get that story out there. So yeah, to to create that news around the brand to, to talk about, you know, what we do is uh, that comes really natural. Right. Uh, it's uh, okay. So I think we're going to take a break now. This feels like a good spot. And then when we come back, we'll talk about sort of the roots of Tony's. It only came to America in 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you know, all of the amazing lessons that I think you're going to teach us. So we'll be right back. Inspired by the finely crafted tools built at the hands of friends in and around custom knife making and with a love of all things food, Abe Shaw began forging a collection of culinary tools unlike any other. Collecting and working with custom and handmade knives for over a decade, Abe has developed a deep respect and admiration for the artists, metalsmiths, woodworkers, and craftspeople behind the endless interpretations of these ancient tools that feed us, the most intimate tools in our lives. They needed a showcase, and Eating Tools was born. The curated collection of unique and extraordinary handmade culinary utensils you'll find here, along with a hand-picked selection of top-quality production-made pieces, represents a catalog of products never before assembled in one place. Many of these products can only be found at Eating Tools. Food, cooking, craftsmanship, and art are their ingredients. There's no substitute for having the right tool for the job, and Eating Tools promises to bring you just that. They think you'll agree that the food-loving visionaries behind each of their products has an eye for the tools we use every day. For more information, visit eatingtools.com. I'm back with Tekla Schaefer, um, head of marketing at Tony's Chocolate Lonely. Um, okay, so this is this is the story as I understand it. Correct me if I'm wrong. There was a journalist named Tony. He was uh, scrutinizing the chocolate industry and basically uh, discovered that there was not a single brand of chocolate that was producing without uh, either child labor, farmer exploitation, and in some cases, even like full-on slavery. Um, He basically wanted to raise attention for that and made chocolate and 
what is the part where he took himself he took himself to court? What what, what happened then? <laughs> so so he he um he 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 said, well, if I if I eat and if I buy and eat a product that was actually made in an illegal way, right. then I should be. You know, I should be taken to court. I'm, I'm actually buying a product that I know for right. sure that it's made in an illegal way because child labor is illegal. Modern right. slavery is, is for sure it's illegal. So, um, so he, he, you know, bought a bunch of chocolates, ate it, and then called the police to have himself arrested. Uh, he actually did get arrested. Um, he was, I mean, he, for a journalist, he's also a pretty good marketer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so he he um, he actually took some of the kids, former child slaves, to um, to testify against him. Wow. And uh, this was all um, yeah televised. And right. In the end, he he wasn't taken to jail because um, they um, they said well. We it's and we have to take yeah. everyone into yeah exactly yeah. exactly so yeah. um but um I think uh, you know in the Netherlands uh, it was like a eye opener for many Dutch people so unintentionally the the the, the, the chocolate bar was sold out uh, immediately and and became uh, a brand wow um, yeah and then after I think five years uh, the journalist sold it to the current owner because they said well in the end we're we're I mean yeah, uh, I don't want to own a company yeah right? <laughs> it's a whole different ball game than right. making a TV show yeah um, so they still they still own uh, some shares in the company right. but they're they're uh, more in the background yeah and then it didn't take very long to become sort of I mean a massive brand in the yeah. Netherlands, yeah. Um, market leader in chocolate. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, certified fair trade, certified B Corp. It, I yeah. think it's got every sustainability stamp that you can have on it. Yeah. Um, and then probably, and then what was the, I mean, was it, okay, we've now done so great in the Netherlands. Let's move to other places in Europe let's move to the United States? Like how do you know, do you know what that process was like for the brand? I mean, it was virtually unknown here. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, how did, how did it even begin to break into this market? Yeah. So the, the reason to specifically want to go to the U S because it's obviously um, a big leap for Dutch brands. Right. But the reason for it is that the, the big chocolate companies are uh, are mostly situated in the U.S. So you know from this, you know the, the mission of Tony's is 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 to actually change these big brands to 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 right. like their put, supply chain. Yeah, exactly. So so that was the reason to move to the U.S. So not even so much to say okay we want to become a huge brand ourselves. And we want to be there where the, uh, you know, where we can make the most impact and where we can make change. So that's, uh, that was the, the driving reason to, uh, to move to the U.S. Um, the company started out in Portland um, and simply just, uh, you know, with this distribu you know, increasing distribution with, uh, 
you know, smaller shops. Um, one of the things that we did was we have a chocolate, a choco truck touring around mm-hmm. the States. So it's really grassroots yeah. uh, marketing in that sense. So um, also not with a lot of investments, but really grassroots. And uh, yeah, that, that, that seemed to, uh, to have worked until now. Uh, we are moving to New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's uh, a big one. And with the move to New York where, uh, you know, it's it's part of uh, a plan to, you know, make even more impact. And especially in the U.S., uh, it's important for us to increase the uh, issue awareness so that more people mm-hmm. know know about the issues in chocolate. Because, you know, that's, that's you know, we believe that uh, consumer influence can, can change uh, companies. So that's a real important one for us. What I think as I was, as I was kind of looking into it. So for those of you who stayed on listening about the unequally divided bars. So if you open a bar of Tony's, which does feel like as much like Willy Wonka as I think in real life, it's big and thick and it has this like wrapping and it's bright. And then, and then when you open the bar instead of what you're used to, which is sort of like evenly divided grid, um, it's, it looks kind of like a town square. It's like there's a circle in the middle and then there's like all these like kind of unevenly uh, kind of par cut pieces. Um, And I never, I thought it was like cobblestone. I really didn't know what it was, but um, basically it's, it's to represent the unfair and unequal sort of treatment of people along the supply chain. Um, that there are sort of the the top of the food chain where they're making a ton of money, and then there's you know at the at the very low end where people are working without any rights and without compensation, and mm-hmm. the unequal pieces are are representative of that. But as I was thinking about what's so brilliant about the brand is that you have this very childlike. Because you're on a serious mission, a more serious mission than most brands. Some brands, like their mission is to disrupt, you know, the chocolate chip or, you know, I mean, it's like they're not, they're, they're, they have a mission and they have a purpose and I don't mean to sort of diminish them, but they're not trying to completely reshape the entire cacao industry, right? So have this very deep, very serious purpose, but you have this very playful, very bright, happy, you know, even the words lonely, you know, chocolate lonely, like it's, (laughs) it's all whimsical in a way. And I think the, the sweet spot is in like the tension of those two things coming together at the same time. Yeah. Um, Just wondering you know, is I'm assuming that's conscious. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on how that expresses itself in different places, um, and how even with such a serious mission, I mean, I'm assuming someone decided, okay, we have a very serious mission. We shouldn't make this gray yeah. or brown or, or whatever. Um, so, if you can talk a little bit about that, that'd be really yeah, yeah. I think I think what the brand does really well is to kind of solve this tension between doing something that's right for the planet and doing something that's really indulgent and something for yourself. And 
I guess this is something I learned at the agency, like the best brands, they are able to solve this tension that other brands haven't been able to solve. So I think this is really a magic formula of, of, of Tony's. And so, and I think the, the current owner actually contributed even more to making it such a fun, playful brand because when it started, the, the, the bar is actually a little bit smaller and the wrapper was um, shiny, not matte like it's today. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was equally divided. So I had like the usual mm-hmm. squares and the, the current owner then, you know, increased the weight, made the paper wrapper like matte. Yeah. And, uh, it's and like, it feels like um, when you're in like second grade, it feels like that like cardboardy, yeah. you know, paper like the orange and the blue and the red and you know it's very it's very primary school feeling yeah yeah and I think it does make you feel like a little kid yourself you know the bar is just a little bit too big and it makes yourself feel a bit smaller I guess so there and um yeah so and it is it is a balancing act like when are we too just fun and and happy and and do people forget about the the serious mission that we're on and and when are we getting too serious and maybe use very harsh words to to describe the situation in uh, west africa yeah it is yeah it is and notice the difference in america versus in the netherlands and the way that people sort of respond to the message yeah absolutely and i think i think it also has to do with the fact that in the netherlands as as the brand was born from this very popular TV show. Everyone was kind of, it was like multiple episodes they made about, you know, the coming about of the the chocolate. So people were really taken along on this journey and like, okay, what is happening in West Africa? So, uh, whereas in the U S you know, people see the brand for the first time in a store and unless you, you know, open the wrapper and, and read the, the statement on the inside it's you're not you don't have the context so yeah that's um it's important to have that context and and to be able like i said to explain to people what we do and why we do it well it's funny because even if you don't read the whole wrapper you do get you do get the tension there yeah. is, there's something that shines through that isn't just like fun, happy, silly, mm. Tony's chocolate. Like there is something that comes through and whether it's the unevenness of the bar or just the words that are in a little bit bigger of a font when you open up the wrapper, um, something's working there. And I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of other brands that have found this sort of like yin yang, you know, where there's, because it's always, you know, I always go back to sort of ecosystems, but Mm -hmm. one of my favorite theories in sort of, it's like a, an ecological idea is that they're in between two ecosystems. There's a third ecosystem that's sort of like, not just the two ecosystems combined, but it's like magic. There's just like, a ton of things that grow there that don't grow anything out anywhere else, mm-hmm. like magnitudes, you know, whether it's like where the beach hits the, hits the rocks or, you know, whatever it is in, in between is this magical space. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at with the branding 
it's like where that seriousness meets that fun. There's something that happens in that space that doesn't happen with a lot of other brands. It's like they're, they're almost flat compared. And I'm just wondering if you, if you're, are you always thinking about that? Whether you're, you know, whatever you're doing, are you always thinking about maintaining that? Or is that just yeah. so in the DNA that you don't have to think about it so much? No, we do. We do. It's a, it's a big, it's a real big topic within the company all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we recently opened a, a chocolate bar in Amsterdam uh-huh. and, and it's really, it's really fun because it's, it's, you know, it's like stepping into it in, inside of a Tony's bar, literally <laughs> like a chocolate bar. It's, it's very colorful. It's has some really crazy uh, things on the menu it's super fun, uh, but then we, we try to find ways to still include the mission within a, such a fun environment. So we, we make it playful, like there is a, uh, a little, uh, what's this called in, in, in English? Um, uh, this what? like this play, things that kids play on in the park. Like, like amusement park rides. Yeah. Oh, like a, like a Ferris wheel or a roller coaster. No, or, it's like a, yeah. one kid sits on one side and the other on the oh, other side. Not, you have not. to balance it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So there's, you know, you can sit on that whilst eating your your different chocolate uh, right. things, and there's uh, an equal an, an equally divided um, uh, bar also with chairs in different heights, or like right. one is really comfortable and the other is not so comfortable, wow. and that they're like unfair games on the table. So they're like oh, wow. games where you know one person gets like five um oh, things and the other like just two and it's so we we in in a fun way we, we try to think of ways to to you know include Talk. people in yeah yeah wow and yeah. so i did i said ferris wheel because there's also a rumor that you guys are building an actual yeah like amusement park like yeah. a, a true willy Walker factory type of situation Is yeah that happening yeah that's that's our biggest biggest dream so we, uh, yeah, we have our eyes, uh, our eye on the building in uh, in Amsterdam, and uh, the you know the the idea is that we you know we have a place where we you know actually can you know make the chocolates. Currently, it's made in uh, in Belgium, but that we can make it in uh, in the Netherlands. Um, but that it's at the same time also a place where people can learn about. Uh, the mission of the brand and like an educational uh, place. So it's it has. That, that's our dream. That's like the chocolate bar is like a like a, a taste of it, but this would right. be like a real real uh, yeah. big dream come true. You know where you know it should have a roller coaster, of course, and we have uh, you know the. I think there's a video circulating also online of uh, a sketch that we made of what we think it should look like. So that's uh, wow. that's all. Um, yeah, in the future. So. Yeah. Okay. So segueing away from Tony's for the last, you know, 10 or so minutes, um, since you are a marketing expert and a lot of the guests or I guess a lot of listeners um, who listen to the podcast aren't necessarily hiring a head of marketing anytime soon. Um, so to the extent that you can give them advice, um, yeah. this would be great time. So I always kind of like to ask like three things that 
you know, founders should keep in mind, people who are building brands should, should keep in mind, they might not be thinking about, um, but that will basically make their job marketing smoother or kind of pave the way for, you know, build yeah. awareness and connection with the brand. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say one is the product. The product is everything, you know, be very particular about the design, about the message you have on your product. I think the product is is your billboard. That's really your single most important thing to focus on. So be very precise on what's on there. You know, don't, don't you know, you shouldn't be... Uh, happy to to soon with with what you have but be, re, be really sp specific about your product design and and find ways how you can incorporate the message that you have into the into the product yeah and um, I, i'm just gonna throw in there because mm -hmm. from personal experience you know we are on i think you know pouch design number four for ours mm -hmm. you know we We order the fewest number of pouches that we can from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And then every several months, we try to make them even better based on, yeah. you know, if we hear that, you know, one thing we did was, you know, an Instagram sort of story of like, why do you like them? If you like our sauces, why do you like them? Mm -hmm. And the vast, vast majority of people said easy. They didn't say flavor. They didn't say fun. They didn't say cooking. They said easy. And hmm. so we didn't have anything that, that sort of alluded to that on the front, you know, on our package anywhere. So we kind of, every time we learn more about why consumers like us, we change the packaging. And I think people have to just remember that you're not going to get it a hundred percent right the first yeah. time Even yeah. if you pay a very expensive agency to design your packaging. You're going to want to keep iterating. Yeah. So don't, don't feel like you're, you know, allow yourself to keep changing it because it has to keep representing the people that are buying it. And you don't know who's going to be buying your product until a couple of years in, Yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, So I just, I wanted to add to that because we're actually going through another redesign or refresh now and yeah. I'm thinking about investing for, you know, in some, in some real, you know, we've never really invested that much money in, in design. Um, yeah. And now we think it's time to. So I think that's great. The product is everything. Number yeah. two. Everything. Yeah. Number two, like, um, I think in, in our case specifically, you know, not doing paid media, it's really about creating news, you know, what to constantly think about, okay, what news can we tell about the brand? And I think for, for Tony's, it's in a way it's easy because we have our mission as the North Star, you know, it's the, yeah. it's the mission, you know, we, we really want to change something. Um, so that, that really helps us to, you know, create this news all the time. There's always something to say about the chocolate industry. Right. There's always a new report that's out there, um, but also, you know, specific flavors or sp specific uh, editions or anything. I, th I think for us to, to have this news calendar year round is really, really important. Yeah. Um, why, what, 
is the main decision? I mean, you know, we just started, I mean, we just started paying for ads and things like that. And we did it because we can't be demoing and we yeah. launched Whole Foods and we just wanted people to know what the heck we were and to like have some <laughs> sort of reference for us. Um, I understand just sort of the, you know, the decision not to pay for media as almost like a values-based stance. Um, But, you know, is that it? Is it, is it just like, we don't want to pay for people to know about us? Like what was the driving force between not paying for any media? I think I think it started with the the journalistic roots that it was uh, it came natural to the brand to to you know focus on on stories on, on stories and news, um, but it's also uh, it's it it's funny because my my um, CEO said well our chief chocolate officer doesn't let himself be called CEO. <laughs> he actually said, well, the, you know, all the extra money we pay to the farmers, I consider that to be your marketing budget. <laughs> so it's right. also, it's, it also is about, you know, it, it, it's, um, the mission, in, the mission again. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Yep, so, makes sense. Uh, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's something that we feel, uh, we also, that we, we don't want to, you know, misuse that mission as some sort of a marketing trick. You know, we don't want yes. to, to well, use that, it for that. Well, that's interesting that you said that because when you were talking about news, you know, there are a couple of things that my team and I do that, you know, we all just believe in and that we do as a company, whether it's donations or mentoring or whatever it is that we specifically don't talk about or put out there or make an Instagram post saying, here's what we're doing. Cause a lot of it is sort of like, you know, um, I don't know, signaling a bit and maybe a little bit self-serving, self-serving. So I was thinking when you were saying creating news, I'm like, I wonder what kind of news we could create when we, that isn't talking about kind of how we're, doing such a good job. Yeah. Um, but then I was thinking, well, we could be releasing interesting things about home cooking yeah. or, you know, trends and things that we're seeing or why people buy condiments during recessions or things like that. Yeah. Um, so actually that gave me a couple of really good ideas. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, a third, a third piece of advice. Um, yeah. I really like this idea of collaboration. So, um, you know, the collaboration is the new competition. It's, it's my dream to do a, a crossover with uh, a, another chocolate brand. A, a G-Star already was my dream to do a G-Star 501 jeans, but that never happened. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, I, I do like this idea of collaboration. And um, we, uh, we like to look for other B Corps to collaborate with. So, uh, for example, what we did during the... Um, well, it's, it's still a pandemic going on there. So to keep everyone like part of the Tony's team and make everyone feel still as part of the team, we uh, we sent little gifts to the team every almost every week. 
And wow. these are all things that, that come from other B Corps or other companies with a mission so that we support these other companies whilst at the same time, you know, supporting yeah. our own team. So it could be anything from organic flowers to, um, you know, organic bottle of wine on the Friday or all kinds so of, nice. yeah, it's all kinds of really fun things. So we, we made a really nice, uh, you know, beach bag with a sustainable denim brand. So all kinds of uh, little things that we uh, we do like that to to collaborate together, and I think there's much more opportunity for Tonys in, in collaboration and really seeking out the uh, other B Corps to to work together to create impact. Because I really believe that you know post pandemic we we should strive for a better world together, and um, you know B Corps can have a very important role uh, in that. So I think I think not just collaborating in in terms of, of of doing, you know, collaborate. Yeah, exactly. But also collaborating in terms of, you know, how can we together approach a certain retailer or how can we together, right. you know, do a panel together on a certain topic or how can yeah. we together. So in the Netherlands, we recently uh, 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 worked together with a lot of companies to, um, to pass a law that uh, actually, um, makes companies uh, be transparent about uh, child um, labor and their supply chains. Yeah. Um, I, I think the, the Netherlands is actually the first country that actually has that law, which is wow. insane. Yeah, um, but, is but then we, yeah, we reached out to like big companies in the Netherlands, like Heineken or, or big companies like that to, to collaborate right. to get those things done. It's interesting because in that, Point number three, there were like five different points. Because, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, in a great way. No, it was great because, you know, a couple things. One is your team is your is your first consumer. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, talking about your team and keeping your team happy and safe and supported and feeling good um, is critical. And unfortunately, I yeah. think there's still some companies out there that are like in this like, kill them, crush them, you know, blah. Yeah. And I don't know that that's going to work anymore. Yeah. I don't know that it worked very well before, but it, it doesn't work anymore. Um, mm. So I think that's one thing that's really great. I, I wish that I had sent my team a present every Friday. That would have been, <laughs> I would, that would make me feel really good, but I did it, but maybe I will. Um, but then the other thing is, you know, this collaboration with other brands and, you know, we started off kind of very, who do we, who do we go well in a meal with? And at this point, we're just like, who, who shares a consumer with us? Like we're yeah. doing a giveaway in a couple of weeks with like a chocolate company, a, another spread company. We've done things with like sauerkraut and, you know. I mean, we would do something with coffee. It doesn't matter. The, the, the thing about collaborations is that they're really worthwhile when you share, you share values because when you share values, you tend to share a similar consumer. Yeah. And the consumer who's buying my sauce is going to be very excited to get introduced to this new chocolate or coffee or even yeah. like bag, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter they don't have to necessarily 
make perfect sense in a meal together. Um, yeah. Something that like evolved in me that I did not really, I didn't really think about so much when we started all of this. And, you know, it's not about who has the bigger Instagram following or anything like that. You're just, you're building this community of like-minded brands and, you know, going back to sort of, you know, Tekla's religious study, Yeah. You know, which, 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 you know, without sounding sacrilegious, like which place of worship do you want to go? Are you like going to the rock and roll place? Or are you going to the sustainable place? Or are you going to the fun, earnest place? You know, all of that, they're all, um, there's, there's a, there's a cap for every bottle. There is a Dutch expression that my fiance, first of all, there's an expression in Dutch for everything. Which, <laughs> That's right. I, there'll be like a penny on the floor and he'll be like, it, you know, he'll, there's, there, he just, there's multiple expressions for That's some true. things. But there, what is the one with the screw on the bottle of the cap? There's something. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's a cap for every bottle. Yeah. Right. Say it in Dutch. Yeah. It, it's always really funny if you translate them to English, our crazy yeah. Dutch expressions. I know. Well, they make me laugh every time. Um, but yes, that's because, you know, don't worry about competing. There's someone yeah. out there who loves your cracker and they're going to love someone else's cracker. And there's room for both as long as yeah. they're great. Products. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts or anything that you wish that founders would know or that you wish that... Um, early stage companies we're thinking about a little bit more as your final words. Yeah. I think, I think what I, I really learned at Tony's also is that, you know, as a, as a company, the first question shouldn't, shouldn't be is how can I make money? How can I take something from the world? But rather it should really be, what can I contribute to the world like what is my role in the community what am i contributing to the world before yeah. i think about what can i you know get from the world like how can how do i get people to pay me money rather than how you know what am i how am i really really serving sorry really servicing the community yeah i think that the the era of the conscientious organization you know whether it's supply chain or focusing on different types of, you know, KPIs for people or building different types of boards, actively seeking out different people to represent their brand than they might have before. I think that's, I think maybe that uh, the pandemic has given us all a moment, hopefully to reflect on some of that and thinking more about sort of putting back in versus uh, extraction, you know, whether the environment or the community or communities, you know, uh, in our case, you know, where we're getting ideas and recipes for the sauces and things like that. So, um, Tekla, thank you so much, um, for coming on. I took so many notes. I have stars and boxes and circles and arrows. Um, and, um, I just want to thank you so much for your time and welcome to New York. I don't know when you'll be here it's going to be fun as, to yeah as, as soon as i am I'm, I'm allowed to, to visit yeah. I'll, I'll be over here awesome. yeah hope, hopefully soon we need people coming into the city not yeah. leaving yeah um, so um listeners thank you so much jess thank you for engineering 
like a rock star. And um, I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.